I'm going to assume we're live because every time Logan starts counting down, we're already live. And I'm sitting here going, (laughs) anyways, supporters, uh, this show is right now just for you. We're going to talk about why we hate each other, why being online has made us crazy, tribal, in-group, out-group. And we're going to relate it back to science deniers and medical people and what we're trying to do as a movement. And I have with me the legendary one and only Tom Heinenberg. I think that we need to go back to GeoCities. Everything was chill on GeoCities. It was like a nice community. It was a know? beautiful utopian world. <laughs> Just like the supporter community, the people who are paying the $4.99, which get to see this early. We might release it to the real tribe if they tell us to, but usually they tell us not to. You know why? Because they're selfish bastards. <laughs> they're like, I pay $4.99 and what you just did is for me and not for you and not for you and not for you. Uh, so but- the thing we want to talk about is like, you really kicked the anti-vax nest pretty hard in the last <laughs> week and a half, two weeks. Yeah, and intentionally, intentionally. Yeah. So here's the thing. I'm already tired of it. I think a lot of our fans are tired of it. I'm tired of talking about it because this has already been settled, right? We already know vaccines, safe, effective, do it. However, there is this contingent of deluded individuals that have a group think and online Uh, online forums help to enable and empower this. So I want to talk about the roots of this and why. And and it applies to uh, Democrats versus conservatives versus libertarians. It applies to us and them and countries and violence. Mm -hmm. Why do we hate each other? And it gets down to what we've talked about before, which is uh, uh, Jonathan Haidt, psychologist, wrote a book about moral foundation theory. In other words, what humans, his theory is, and it was spelled out in this book called The Righteous Mind, which I'll link to in the comments. Uh, Humans are moral creatures. We are feeling creatures who happen to think. We are not thinking creatures who happen to feel. That's backwards. We're feeling emotional, intuitive creatures that have morality built into our fabric, and that fabric is kind of like the sense of taste. It has about six flavors, and every human has some variant of these flavors, and that's why we have a lot of commonality, but how we actually uh, emphasize each flavor determines kind of how we behave in the world. And when we don't realize this, when we don't realize that your set of six is slightly different balance than mine, we demonize the other, we have this in-group, out-group uh, hatred, and we tend to have a group think because about 10% of our mind is a hive mind and the rest is an individual. We're like 90% chimp and 10% bee in how we behave. Now, when we get to be a bee, this is where you see things like anti-vaxxers hiving together around their shared moral palette around vaccines, which we'll talk about. So, I mean, I don't know. What are your thoughts, Tom? You know, it's interesting to me because we always talk about John Haidt's work and the elephant and the rider and how that's that's a split between feelings and thinking, which is the split between the limbic system and the neocortex, right? And the neocortex is really new on the scene in an evolutionary sense, and so it hasn't had as much time to develop. Isn't it more so, though, you could actually say that these feelings are very complex uh, thoughts. I mean, they're they're patterns. It's you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, you know what yeah. I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, like these are deep patterns that have we've learned over time that a person that acts like a certain way is maybe out to hurt me or right. whatever it is. Right. So sometimes these feelings have a lot of merit. It's not like a throw the baby out with the bathwater situation. Yeah, the whole limbic system, our primitive brain, which is 90%, we call it the elephant using his metaphor, the right. elephant, and then the little rider on top, that's our neocortex, 
the thinker, right? So the elephant actually evolved to keep us alive. So it, it, it's designed to try to feel out what is another person or animal or organism thinking or, or planning to do so it can predict what its actions are. So right. if I see you, and this is where I think a lot of pattern recognition comes in. So you walk on the street, you've been conditioned all your life to go, uh, most people who do crime are black. Therefore, you see a black person, you subconsciously move to the right, you do something, and this has been documented. Well, and think about this, too. If you're a small, like, you're a mammal on the plains of Africa, right, and you see the wind rustle uh, some leaves, it, it behooves you to think that this is actually a lion that's behind the, the you know, tall grass or whatever it is that's instead of the wind. Because if you think, oh, it's just the wind, you're more likely to get murdered. That's right. right? So, so that's the thing about the elephant, our pattern detector. It, is a, it has a negativity bias. So we are looking for danger, fear threat, preferentially to love, connection, happiness. That's not something. So assuming our elephant runs the show, which science after science after data after study shows that it has. And look, we're talking about psychology, so psychology is kind of soft. There's a replicability crisis. They can't seem to replicate their studies. So we'll take everything with a grain of salt, but again, to abuse this elephant metaphor, it feels right to me that... um, Study after study shows that we think with our elephant. In other words, we, we act with our elephant, and then our writer, our neocortex, spins reasons why. So if this is the case, what is the mor- moral compass of the elephant? How does it differ between people? What are the flavors? So to, to summarize what Jonathan Haidt is, Haidt is saying, he had to change his name from it was pronounced Haidt, but then he went into the field of po- positive psychology. So he's like, I'm going to call it Haidt from now on because Haidt sounds a little bit... It feels wrong to the elephant, right? <laughs> so there are these six moral flavors. He actually started with five and then drilled down a little more and found out there was a sixth. So the first one is care versus its opposite, harm. This is a moral flavor. So I care about you, Tom Heineberg, because you're in my tribe, you're on my team, etc. But care pushed out to its logical conclusion is care for all sentient creatures. Mm-hmm. So you can have a whole range of levels of care as a moral foundation. We see this with the uh, effective altruism movement that happens to be people who are more often people that are high income, tech worker, Bay Area types who want to do the most good with their money. And so they send their money to Africa, a right. portion of their income, right? Right. right? Rather than the conservative elephant might keep that money local or give to their local church or charity. Or, you know right. I mean? So care harm there is like it's a it's more of a in group out group thing so right. and this is the difference again and, and and you can look at political differences so the liberal elephant care harm for them is care for all exclusive of what they might have uh, you know whether they're in tribe whether they're in country so and and that that relates to this idea of american exceptionalism so the liberal elephant is less likely to feel that america is some way different or exceptional and more likely to go well how are we different than the sudan we're all human beings we should be helping them right. so that's part that's one flavor that liberals tend to really focus on care versus harm broadly okay the second one is um fairness versus cheating. And this, again, becomes very political. So fairness um, in, a liberal, in the liberal mindset is more, uh, we should be fair to everyone. There shouldn't be anyone cheating to game the system. So here are these rich people who were born rich, you know, like the example would be Donald Trump. He got millions of dollars from his dad, so he's cheated. So he's not, but, but now he's using that to dominate other people, and it's unfair. That's what the liberal mind would say. Now, what would the conservative idea of fairness be? Sounds like uh, communist propaganda, see? <laughs> but okay. But okay. Conservative elephant in the house. The conservative elephant is like, why should there be an estate tax? I work for this money. I should give it to my son because that's what I want to do. Right? It's my money. 
I work for it, right? I don't need to spread it around to a bunch of people who I don't. Or why is it fair that uh, somebody's on welfare not working and I'm working really hard and I'm paying for them? That's it. Fairness versus cheating is a moral flavor. And we all have it, but we interpret it differently and we value it differently. So, so far we have care versus harm, uh, fairness versus cheating. And it turns out liberals tend to value these two above all the other flavors. Doesn't mean they don't have the other flavors, but it means that they are, this is where they really settle in. And all their public discourse, all their arguments, all the writer that they say really focuses largely on these two. Oh, yeah. Now, this, this goes out to, this is veganism, and yep. it ripples out further Care to harm. animals. Don't, to, don't, harm yeah. animal, don't harm the environment. Right. It's not fair that, you know, it's, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and social programs, fairness, yep. equity, social justice. Mm-hmm. Right. All genders, there's 30 genders, and they're all yeah. the same right. in terms of how we should treat. So, so that's the liberal elephant, and that's the, the arguments that, that they will make. Now, there are three, four really other flavors. So the other flavor is authority versus subversion. So do you value the power and the stability of authority, or are you somebody who feels that, you know what, I'm a little more on the, I don't worry about authority. In fact, if anything, I I like subversion. So the 60s, the liberal movement in the 60s was, we have to subvert this authority, which is affecting fairness, it's affecting care harm, we're going to Vietnam, we're killing poor people. Right. that's authority. Now, whereas a conservative elephant might feel that authority is the only thing separating us animals from chaos, anarchy, destruction, and here's my property, and the law says that I can defend it with a gun if you come on it. Authority versus subversion. Yeah. Um, so that's another flavor, and it turns out conservatives tend to value the authority flavor a little bit more. The next one is. Um, uh, what is the next one? Sanctity. And this mm, one's interesting. Purity. Purity, purity versus sanctity. Yeah. sanctity. So purity slash sanctity versus degradation. Right. Now, this one is an interesting one because I think it evolved. Our elephants have this meter because what was sanctity versus degradation in the old days? Probably disease. Disease. I mean, yeah, mainly yeah. disease. Right. Look at the Bible. So much of it is, mm-hmm. okay, here's how Cleanliness we, and, yeah, the preparation of food in, like, the Old Testament with pork and shellfish and all that. Kosher yeah. versus uh-huh. not. What is it? Well, you're going to get, it turns out we found out that you get really sick if you do right. things this way. And, and so this idea of sanctity uh, is, is hardwired into us. Now, how much you value that and how you spin that makes a difference. So a conservative sanctity may be the sanctity of church, religion, community, the purity of not having sex, not doing drugs, the moral, the moral majority of the 80s or whatever, right? Or the 70s yeah. with Nixon. The liberal sanctity purity is toxins, environmental degradation, um, vaccines, vaccines, mercury and vaccines, mercury and vaccines, yeah. uh, eating natural, vegan, raw movement, anti-GMO. Yeah. These are the liberal version of sanctity. So it's interesting because it's the same moral sense, just interpreted differently, valued differently. So, so far, it's interesting because, you know, conservatives so far value authority, sanctity. Um, uh, what was the other one we did there? Uh, we have, maybe we haven't gone Care, harm, reduction. No, care, no, 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 no. That's more of a liberal thing. We haven't yeah, gotten so to the third. Care, harm. We haven't gotten to the third one. So the third one. Or the third conservative one. third conservative one is, uh, what do we do? Purity. i got to remember this. Hold on. <laughs> Let me look it up because I always forget what they are. Uh, oh, loyalty. Yeah, that's right. Loyalty versus betrayal. Just like, you know, you're walking through that Game of Thrones betrayal garden. <laughs> 
<laughs> he gonna betray you. He gonna betray. He gonna betray you. So loyalty versus betrayal is an interesting one because yeah. actually when I met you, I, I realized you're very loyal to this group of people that you, you know. I, and even if they're totally out to lunch, sometimes yeah. but you you're loyal to them, and that that's a foundational thing. Versus you know I, I'm not you know expendable alliances are transient. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's less important. So whether it's loyalty to community, loyalty to country. It seems to be a more conservative flavor. Yeah, um, it is. Uh, although there is, there's liberal loyalty as well, and it's often loyalty to the group of people that feel similar to the way you do. Right. But if you look at like Democratic National Convention, Conservative National Convention, Conservative Convention is a, an almost an on block massive. This is our, what we think. Here's our platform. Yeah. Suck it. Whereas the Democrats are like, well, we have the African American platform, we have <laughs> right. the LGBTQ platform, we have the, and they're, sometimes they're at odds. So it's a very different sort of flavor. Uh, and then the, the, I think then, so now we have what? We have five, right? We have care harm, we have uh, fairness cheating, we have sanctity degradation, we have authority subversion, we have loyalty betrayal. And then the last one is something he came up with later when he did more research, and he said, "You know what? Actually, it's not just sort of um, sort of authority subversion. It's liberty and oppression mm-hmm. as another flavor. Yeah, liberty and oppression. Now, this one explains why Logan, you will pry Logan's guns out of his hands, his dead, dead, cold hands, because it's he feels like part of his moral palate is there's a flavor of." potentially the government imposing its will, and its will may not be good on our ability to be free. Right. So, and you, also, you also see it on the left, because yes. the left is uh, gay marriage, uh, legalization of marijuana, uh, transgender rights, you know, all these things. Yes. Those and, are flavors of liberty for the left. And then let's look at anti-vaxxers. So anti-vaxxers for liberty are, you will not tell me to vaccinate. They actually overlap with conservatives a lot on that. You know, because yeah, conservatives because, don't want the government mandating anything to them ever. Ever. Right? Ever. So that's where it's interesting because people will say, well, okay, anti-vaccine stuff is a liberal thing. And now it's increasingly transpartisan because you have the liberty component. You will not tell me. And there's 22,000 nurses, this meme going around. Yeah. You know, like these nurses that refuse mandatory vaccination. Here's an interesting thing, too. Like, So I got in a fight with one of the anti-vaxxers. I actually got in a fight with the woman who showed up here and banged on our glass online. And I was like, what's up? I found you. You know? <laughs> like, you found us. I found you. So I started, you know, like, I was basically attacking her, I mean, for fun. Yeah, because that's uh, what you do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I actually got a lot of good tidbits for that character that I that we did on the show. The, just a little Oh, yeah, right. That's how you <laughs> did your research for that one. Tom Minover did his own research, D-Y-O-R. Yeah, but basically, um, you know, she was telling me that I was, re- I, by working with you, I was actually rejecting my core values as a conservative because she went to my Facebook and looked through some of my stuff and was like, okay, so this guy tends to be more, the government can't tell me what to do, and, you know, he's a libertarian, and et cetera. And so he's rejecting his values by mm-hmm. working with ZDoc. And then I'm like, no, because there are limits to everything. Like, I'm a free market capitalist, but free market capitalism ends in slavery, right? You can't be a libertarian if you're infringing on others' rights. So mm-hmm. anything that you do that doesn't affect anybody else fine. You should be able to do that all day long, right? If you want to be anti-vax and live out in the woods and never interact, you and your family never interact with the rest of society, I'm all for yeah, that. Go for it. But if you're going to be here in the city center walking amongst us as a little petri dish, then fuck off. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? So see, this is exactly right. You're taking your palette of flavors and you're applying it to the vaccine question. So the vaccine guys will say, liberty, do not make me do something I, I, the government cannot stick a needle in me. Right. And you know what? It's hard to argue with that from a liberty standpoint. Like, woo, except for you're imposing on others' liberty, the liberty to be free of disease that your child or you may spread because you didn't get this thing. So it comes down to the core of do you believe the scientists and the experts well, not, then it gets to authority. If your palate is authority is dangerous, subversion is the answer, you're not going to trust the CDC, Paul Offit, people who study vaccines because they're authority, they're experts. So now you mix in the stew. I don't like authority. I want liberty and sanctity of my body, my temple. Yeah. And you have anti-vaccine sentiment. Now, when you attack it with... With, with the writer, when you're like, but here's all the data. Here are the second order consequences That's of your right. actions. Right. Yeah, it, it will not work. work. Now, 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 this is where I think it gets really interesting because what Haidt talks about is we're 10% hive mind. So now, ever since the internet and things like Facebook and Reddit and 4chan and all this, we can find like elephants to bounce our riders off of. And then right. it creates a groove where we become conditioned and what he calls in the book, morally blind. We no longer can see that others have a different moral palette and that they're all trying to do the right thing. And so we villainize the other side, we get into our thing and we seek our confirmation for our writer constantly with cherry picking data, pulling out a Z-Dog quote out of, out of context. Right, oh, yeah. see, he said that. And, and this and this and this. And so how do you start to break out of that? First, you have to recognize that we do it. So I think Height's thing is transformative in the sense that, well, wow, we're all trying to be good. The conservatives are trying to be good. The liberals are trying to be good. The libertarians are trying to be good. The anti-vaxxers actually are trying to be good based on their palate. But what's happened is now we're seeing a entrenchment because these groups online, because we are also, in it, so this is, this is what he says. We're individuals, so 90% chimp, but we're also group-based. Right. And so there's a hive switch that can turn on in our mind where we behave more like a hive. And that happens online. So you now have these groups. So, and you can't, you can't reason with a mob. No, you know no, I mean? no, 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 no. Because yeah. they will self-reinforce. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's interesting. So in the last couple of weeks, we've done all this stuff about anti-vaxxers. Part of it has been consciously designed by us to say, okay, we know scientifically that we're right. But emotionally, we also feel care, harm, don't harm others by not vaccinating yourself. Liberty, don't infringe on my liberty by giving me measles. I mean, that's our palate. Right. So we're like, how do we rally our troops? Talk about that directly by demonizing the other side. These are delusional people that have, should have no platform. Let's block them, let's deplatform them, and it works. So we have something like another 60,000 followers in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And why is that? Because people with like mind join the hive. The hive switch is triggered. He's saying what I believe. I can't say it because people will call me unprofessional. I can. They can try to take my medical license. It won't work. That's not how it works. So... All this stuff happens. Now you consolidate the tribe. But now the question is, do we then behave like every other group online and deny the fact that there's this moral foundation to why we behave? Now that we have the tribe, is it incumbent on us to say, okay, now how do we nudge behavior in a way that's... This is so tricky. (laughs) This is so tricky because these same moral foundations can lead to white supremacy, right? But we don't tolerate that in a civil society anymore. Yeah. White identity politics, we don't tolerate. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, 
how do you help the elephant? Like these are normal reactions; they're normal human reactions. We all have them. But how do you help guide this person out of their entrenched position? Yeah, without so, shaming them. Without shaming them. Yeah. Well, so okay, so this is interesting because I I'm struggling with this, and yet I think we have a solution to this, and that is first of all we have to recognize that these elephants are different. Second of all, we have to understand the power of the group. So if you're going back into your group. And this goes for liberals and conservatives. And and Facebook has absolutely fed into this because it starts to design your feed as an echo chamber and you become morally blind. Mm -hmm. You stop seeing. You know, it took me leaving the Bay Area to lose my moral blindness about conservatives. Coming here, I realized, oh, wait a minute, this is a libertarian environment. Like, conservatives are really good people who care about all these things just in a different emphasis and they see things slightly differently. And that's great. And now I'm no longer morally blind. And I'll tell you, a lot of liberals and conservatives in their bubbles are absolutely morally blind to how the other person... It's, it's villainification. And, and we, ha- we have to transcend that. We have to be able to speak to both sides of an issue, but, but also say there's no tolerance. Like, you know, like white supremacy. We should have no tolerance for that. Right. But we should have no tolerance for discrimination of any kind, ideally. Um, one, of the, one of the problems we're seeing in American society, I think, too, is that... The, cent- the people that are closer to the center, the conservatives and the liberals that are closer to each other than they are to the edges, actually have more of a moral understanding of the ed- their own edges than they do of each other's position. Mm. So you can morally relate further to somebody at the very farthest fringes of your movement or your... Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you go- end up ba- being like, you know, well, I don't think there's 79 genders, but... You know, I understand where the thought comes from. And, you know, right. maybe, and what's the harm in, like, letting those people think they're 79 genders or whatever, right? And well, yeah. This can get really dangerous if people on the right start being like, you know what? White people should have identity politics. <laughs> and that gets moved from the fringes to the center. That could be inc- incredibly dangerous. Well, you know, I think to some extent the Trump movement has shown that, like, there's a backlash against the lack of, you know, the patriarchal stuff. Okay, everybody wants to abolish it, but then there's, there is a backlash to that because the extreme, it's the same, it's just what you said. Yeah. We, we tend to empathize with our wing's extreme more than we will empathize even with the center of the other side. Because we understand. Because we understand where it. Where their and elephant comes from. Because that hive mind turns on and yeah. we go, this is my group. I get support and, and reaffirmation in this particular group. Now, since I started doing the show, actually, I find my group to be both sides. I find the group, my tribe, to actually be across the entire spectrum. You can email me with any political belief and frame it however you like, and I will find some truth in it. Even if it's crazy, I'll be like, I see this little sliver of truth. And then I'll respond in a kind of a balanced way. But it used to be I would just get triggered and go, what would my group, in-group say? And just either ignore it or get angry or whatever. Same goes with, it's interesting, with religion. I used to find religion to be just a reprehensible superstition. Now I'm like, I see a lot of power and beauty in the the cultural stuff around religion and the idea that people connect with a higher purpose connection, right? Truth, people, spirituality. Whenever, whenever we get in these kind of conversations, too, people think that we're just being like, stop being political. Yeah, no. Nah. Oh, it's so annoying. It's it's not just politics. Once you see this, you can see it in almost everything. everything Every right? single people thing. People do this to each other about parenting. They yep. do this to each other about what cars they drive. They do. It's everything. Sports teams. It's everything. Yep, yep, yep. You know? Now, if you were very good at this, you could look at the moral palette of, say, an anti-vaccine 
advocate or someone on the fence or someone vaccine hesitant and go, okay, they value liberty, they value uh, um, purity uh, above the other things. Care harm, they feel like you're harming them if you're giving them this. So how do we start to influence that? First, you have to recognize their elephant and go, yeah, man, I'm all about liberty too. I hate the idea that we have to enforce anything, like especially a needle in your body, it feels, I understand that feels terrible, but let's look at it from another liberty perspective. So, you know, if my kid goes to daycare and your kid isn't vaccinated and there's data that shows that that's dangerous and we've seen measles outbreaks and et cetera, and they'll argue that the, that data, but I don't think the data is arguable, honestly. Right. What they're doing is they're cherry picking bad data to support the belief which is, and you can't say a belief necessarily is bad. The belief that you should be not, you know, assaulted with needles, that's not, it's not good or bad. It's their moral flavor of, of liberty. Say, okay, let's take that as a given. That you have to find that important. Does it, is it outweighed by the fact that now you could potentially harm someone in your group, you know, these little kids, that, and they could die? And here's images of children dying of these diseases in the modern era. So not just like stuff that's bygone, because they'll say, oh, it doesn't happen anymore. It does. We see it. And that's why our elephants are so like, no, 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 dude, I see this all the time. And not only is your, I'm not, I'm not only worried about my kid, I'm worried about your kid. Yeah. Because your kid's going to be the one who has the disease first before he passes it to my kid. That's right. That's you right. You know what I mean? So it's, again, it's, it's a moral reasoning. It's moral reasoning. You're sitting here going, okay. But it, to deny that it's a moral thing is insane. We're moral, reasoning, intuitive, emotional creatures, and the thinking comes second. Yeah. So let's focus on the moral. Well, what about the sanctity? Like, well, if your body is a temple and you don't want anything unnatural in it, well, something as natural as measles or mumps or rubella or smallpox or whatever, you can, you can actually prevent that with a very, very, very studied and, and safe vaccine. Now, are vaccines perfectly safe? No, just like seatbelts aren't perfectly safe. So we have to have an honesty about this and say, yeah, there's a tiny risk. But the thing is, nobody who looks at the statistics would say, don't take the risk. Right. Because the benefit is vastly better. Yeah, I think the fear will always be there. I yeah. mean, only one person has died in the last nine years on American Airlines, right? Right. I mean, not right. Amer- right, right, right. All right. American yeah. Airlines. Yeah, Southwest, yeah. And, uh, there's still people still have a tremendous fear of flying, even though it's much safer than getting in a car. Exactly. Nobody's that scared of getting in a car because they they feel more in control. Maybe we should let people just vaccinate themselves. And it's a control issue, <laughs> it's right? It's a control issue. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to leave you in the room with the needle. Yeah. You vaccinate yourself. I'll come back. <laughs> that could be part of it, or even though know, and, and the schedule thing where they want to control the schedule yeah. of vaccinations, they feel like there's too many antigens. First of all, that's bullshit. It feels uh, right, but it though. feels right. Feels so right the question is, are them. okay? There's some risk benefit here. There's risk when you don't vaccinate on time because you could expose in a critical window to measles or something. However, would we rather they not vaccinate because we've taken away the one piece that they can control, right? Which is the schedule. Now, the hardcore uh, scientists would say, no, you don't give them that. I'm still on the fence about that yeah. because uh, from a moral reasoning standpoint, and I get these messages, right? So I get messages all the time. I'm with you on vaccines. I just wish I could spread them out. I wish something could happen. Look, scientifically, it makes no sense. Logically, it doesn't make sense. Emotionally, it feels right to you. Maybe there's a way we could do it where we could take the most important vaccines and put them together and then the stuff that's maybe lower risk, yeah. put, spread it out. So may, maybe, maybe, right? Now, the guys like Sears, though, who this pediatrician who's advocating, he's an anti-vaxxer in science clothing. Yeah. He, so you cannot rely on people like that. 
and he's making money on this, right, right? Right. So, and they'll say, "Well, you're making money." Well, okay, listen, guys, like everybody's making money. Everybody's making money. Economy. Period. It's called America. But next, a lot of pediatricians don't make money. They lose money on vaccine, but that's a whole other thing. But again, it gets to the fairness. Now, that's yeah. a fairness moral. Well, how is he making money poisoning my child? Sanctity, liberty, fairness, care harm, they're all there. I think we also have to understand, too, that the world is getting increasingly complex, frighteningly complex for most people, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, I'm somebody who sits here with you all day long and talks about this sort of stuff. I don't understand how vaccines work. The only thing I understand is that there's a consensus among experts that they do work. And these people like Paul, who was sitting in this seat, are a lot more well-versed in this than I am. And I'm going to trust Paul because, listen, I met Paul. He's a really smart person. He's a good person. And he created this vaccine that is going to save children's lives, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Why would I not trust Paul? And the other thing is I don't have to just trust Paul. Paul's work is vetted by an entire community around the world, right? This gets to the heart of authority versus subversion. Yeah. Loyalty versus betrayal. Uh, all these questions are moral questions. So this is how I see that, right? It's gotten so complex in medicine. And, and you know, it's funny, the anti-vaxxers pulled this line out of our conversation I had with Paul, where both Paul and I were like, a lot of doctors don't understand the nuances of immunology because it's gotten so complicated. Mm-hmm. And so what, what anti-vaxxers do is they go, see, you don't even know what you're talking about. Right. But they don't understand but, how their phone works, and they use their phone every day. So that's the thing. Yeah. They would then throw out the expertise. To me, that's an argument to say, that's why you have experts. They do this for a living. Not only do they do this, they don't do all of it. They do their piece. They combine it with the other piece. Yeah. They combine it with the other piece. And the body of knowledge then that emerges. You think the first 486 processor in the 90s was made by an individual? It was a team of people with sub-expertise in this particular algorithmic routine. Right. Or that, and they put it together, and it's amazing. And, that, and that's the same with science. So you have to, you, okay, question everything, that's fine. But then when your questions are answered, you have to say, all right, this is, this is, this is the consensus. I don't, I mean, like, I'm not going to question my pilot's landing approach. Right. That's insane. But, you know, the thing is, is, well, I don't know, it's tr- so tricky, man, because there's some truth to it. Because mm-hmm. the government has fucked us a lot as, of things, as yeah. a citizenry <laughs> over many, many times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so basically it is the government mandating that you get vaccines and that you put them in your body and, you know, it's government-funded research and that, I mean... And then let's let's dive into that more. Doctors fuck up all the time. All the time, just like airline pilots sometimes yep. will be suicidal and take the plane down. Correct. But it doesn't mean that we don't. Like, right. Yeah, I could kill myself on the way home. Somebody could hit me in a car, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's not likely to happen. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I think... This idea that we should not trust the medical industrial complex. I will say in the same breath that I say vaccines, you should do it. I'll say, do not let anyone talk you into having a cabbage or a calf or a spine surgery or a knee surgery without getting three opinions. Vaginal mesh. Vaginal mesh. Uh, All the stuff. Mona Lisa touch. Right, Mona Lisa touch. Because the incentives are wrong, because the data isn't there, right? So you can actually, but see, the difference is, I can tell when the data is not there, yeah. when the incentives are wrong, and I can tell when they when they aren't with vaccines. Well, don't you think though? Okay, so the incentives are wrong. I'm a normal person who doesn't understand the complexities like you or the nuances, right? So I go in and I'm going to treat you like my mechanic, and I'm going to assume that you're lying to me in order to charge me more. Right, right. This right. is a pretty direct through line in my mind, and it probably protects me a little bit. Yeah. 
from mechanics for sure. So no, the, I mean from doctors well, in the real world. I think, and I think you yeah. should question, but you have to do it with courtesy. Like, like Bill Davis here says an interesting thing. It's true, but Z, people today do not ask questions to get an answer. They ask so they can respond to the answer. So in other words, they've already decided. They want to hear your answer so they can argue with it based on their elephant or cherry pick or com- confirm their bias. And I think that's the danger. That's what's happened now is we go in with the attitude and we've already decided and, and we're not there to be persuaded. We're there to argue or to cherry pick. And I think the online communities have, have, have enabled this. Now, for example, you know, when your dad went through all the chemotherapy and everything like, yeah, you can, his elephant wanted that stuff. So yeah. no matter what the doctor said, he's going to cherry pick the stuff that has, you know, hope and, and and make him feel like he's in control. Whereas you may have a different elephant, like he needs to be comfortable this and this and this and this. So you're going to hear that conversation totally differently. Yeah. So so how do we how do we solve this problem? Because I actually don't trust I don't trust a doctor. I'm going to make sure I go and dig into it. But I have the tools to do that. Yeah. How does a muggle, a non medical person, get the tools to do that? Partly, we're trying to do this on the show, we're trying to generate more understanding. That, I think our platform is important for this. I, you know, it's got to be something that there's got to be more transparency. Like there has there has to be more transparency so that people can see what's going on. I'm a big fan of transparency. I'm you a big know. fan of making data public. Yeah. I'm a big fan of having it be open. Uh, you and I are both dataists. Yeah, we think you have to be in today's day. In today's day, meaning the free flow of information is the primary thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem, so, and then the world sorts that data out yeah. because then truth rises to the top. The problem is when there's impeded flow. So you have anti-vaxxers who say, "Well, you're censoring us. You're not letting us speak." But the problem is your flow of data is wrong. It's just simply wrong. And it's been shown, and the vast majority of people in the country already agree that you're wrong. Even the press now makes fun of anti-vaxxers. That, took, that was a tipping point that had right. to happen. So the question is then, do you allow that data free flow still, or should we be saying like what I say, which is don't give them a platform? Yeah. They desperately want it. Dell Bigtree and these guys are begging me to debate with them. Am I begging them to debate? No. They'll say it's because I'm scared. No, I'll say it because why should I? You're, you don't have a debate. Yeah. You're not a point of view. Why should I waste my time and credentials giving you a platform? That's crazy. Right. You're a nothing. You're less than a nothing. You're speaking to an echo chamber. You're not influencing people on the fence. Yeah. That's, what, that's our job. It's, it's, it's worrisome, though, because intolerant minorities, intransigent minorities have large-scale effects. Mm-hmm. So these people can ha- often have a large-scale effect that we may not... We may think, oh, there's 5,000 people in an echo chamber, like, whatever, who cares? Bunch of idiots circle-jerking each other. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But really, they could end up affecting policy down the line. Like, a lot of things could happen. And so they do. it's a threat to be wary. And they have. Well, and, and you just basically gave the reason why. Because I'll get a comments occasionally. I'm so tired of this vaccine right. thing. And Stop wish you would move about on. It. Yeah. This is not a thing. It's not a thing. And you're like, bitch, people are dying mm-hmm. because these guys are in their moral bubble in an echo chamber, but influencing others because they believe without a shadow of a doubt, because of their reinforced echo chamber, that they are right. 
and yeah. that's dangerous. Well, it's like the you know we we see stories of it all the time. Like there was the woman who this child got you know measles or whatever, and then she just gave him like raspberry tea. Yeah, and it's like kid dies. You killed your child. Yeah, you killed your child. Killed you killed him twice by not getting him appropriate medical treatment and by not getting him vaccinated. And and, and but, it was easily preventable. But you know what's interesting? You know? The anti-vaxxers are so in the confirmation bias bubble with their morality that they will defend that person. Yeah. Even after the murder of their child, they will defend that person. And here's here's the thing. Like so. You can rally the forces of reason uh, using our platform by, by using this polarizing language. And we've done it, and it works. 100% it works. Mm-hmm. But then I think it's incumbent on us to, to, to step back and go, okay, so now what do we do with this? Now the tribe is listening. If we're being honest, we only do it when we're like truly exasperated. <laughs> yeah, when we're at our wit's end, yeah. Like, you know. I mean, we were trying to have, the, the reason it all got started is because we were trying to have Paul, who's a world-famous researcher, on, and th- these idiots come and invade our space and are banging on our glass. And, we're, and we got, we're triggered, right? Yeah. Our elephants are angry. Yeah, you're And we're right. like, we're going to use the power of video yeah. to fuck with you. To totally fuck with you. And we're going to fuck with you for, you know, two weeks straight. Yeah, we're not going to stop until we <laughs> right. get bored. Yeah. Now we're bored. Now we're bored. Yeah, now we're bored. Yeah. But not before growing our movement by, you know, 60,000 people. Right. Now, these 60,000, so what do you do with them? What do you do with this movement? They are looking for leadership in an echo chamber. I won't be an echo chamber. Yeah. Like, I, what I want is to nudge people in a direction that I think is going to improve all of our discourse. So maybe that is just doing a show like this where we talk about the moral foundations. Stop hating each other. Why should liberals and Republicans hate each other. Right. It's they crazy. Didn't, they didn't, used, they didn't to. used to. We didn't used to. the echo chamber. We also didn't used to talk about politics all the time. Right. Now yeah. it's like all the time. It's like a, a sport. Right. It's like a national sport. It is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you you could get emotional about sports teams even back in the day. Like right. violent. I mean, look at the hooligans in uh, oh, yeah. Great Britain. I mean, this is a thing. Yeah. It's elephant. And that's loyalty. Loyalty and in-group, out-group competition mm-hmm. is a powerful motivator when the hive mind switches on. And that's the thing, like you can go from individual 90% chimp DNA to hive just by going to a hockey game. Yeah. Right? You, 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 you saw the um, Golden Knights, Las Vegas Golden Knights. Did you feel a sense of community and communion with the people that were there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And in fact, just, you know, Vegas is a weird place. And for mm. people that don't live here, like they don't know, you know. Uh, we're a real city. Everybody's like, you guys live in the hotel? Like, at the yeah, trip? Yeah. It's like, no, we're, we're two million people. We're like the size of Indianapolis, okay? Yeah. But when we got the hockey team was the first time it really felt like a community. Correct. Because people go to the games, and then they're like, oh, it's, it's like going to church, you know? Yeah. But we don't go to church anymore. Right, right, right. right? At, least, at least a lot of us don't. A lot of the secular millennials don't. Yeah. And so this is a thing. And so what's a church online, an anti-vax forum? Yeah. You know, what's a church online? A pro-vax forum. Right. And some of the pro-vax skeptics are, you can see all the same signs of closed-minded moral blindness in them as you see in the anti-vaxxers. Yeah. And I think a lot of people get frustrated with it because I think people in the middle go, dude, what? You're just as dogmatic. Like, wait a minute. So you're totally going to deny that the government fucks up and that doctors fuck up. And I'm like the first to go, no, we fuck up all the time. In fact, that's a whole thing. We're trying to nudge our whole community to do better. Why? Because we need better tools and resources and autonomy to, to, to do this. Yeah. We don't have it. it also, it's just people are not, people are not Bayesians. You know what I mean? People yeah. are not statist- doing statistical analysis you when can't. they're thinking about their decision making. They're just making their decision based on mommy instinct. Right, right, right. Based on what feels right. Sure. I do uh, it. I do it all my baby. Like, I do it all the time. You know what I mean? In the early days of this thing, I would just, if, I, if a question came up, I would just go to uh, sciencebasedmedicine.com. 
www.org and see what was written about it there. And if they agreed with my instinct, which was, no, that's bullshit, you know, whatever, right. then I'd be like, there you go. But the thing is, you know, they're in this particular strain of thinking, which honestly is usually correct. Right. But the, you know, and, and we can do that. We're, we're guilty of this, we do, but we do it intentionally. We're trying to rally a group and then broaden up. It's yeah. kind of like what, you know, what politicians do when they're trying to get elected in the primaries. They go just full recalcitrant, liberal or conservative, hardcore, mm-hmm. and then they move to the center during the general election. Do you remember when um, Ted Cruz, basically, he was trying to slam Donald Trump for having New York values right. during the Republican primary? Right. And then Donald Trump actually did a very smart thing. He judoed Ted Cruz, and he was like, there's a lot of great people in New York. I remember on September 11th, I saw many of them. You know, and it was ah. like, ah, yeah, you fucked up, Ted Cruz. Yeah, 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 because then he goes right into... You can't a, just be a partisan hack and demonize an entire state. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know? I mean, this, this, this is a, a recurring theme. You know, and it's interesting because Trump's policies have kind of penalized the states that didn't vote for him. So, you know, like yeah. California, you're just like, oh, crap, man. The By the way, are, even yeah. though I'm more conservative, I hope that Ted Cruz loses because he's a creepy weirdo. And- <laughs> He's probably the Zodiac killer. I just want to say that. <laughs> oh, I don't know anything about this Beto O'Rourke guy. I don't know, but yeah. he's got to be better than Ted Cruz. That's how I feel about it. That's your elephant. Yeah. You just don't like that guy. That's right. Yeah, he's he, not a likable You know guy. what? His face just looks off to me. <laughs> but your elephant is a pattern recognizer. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of weird faces that look like that. Nixon. Nixon just looks off. Weird. Yeah. Right. That's why he lost to Kennedy. That's right. Where you see Kennedy, you're like, that's a handsome ass. It's a handsome guy. Even when you see Reagan, asses. you're like, you know what? That's a handsome mm-hmm. man. Distinguished. Whereas, compare him to Mondale. Uh huh. You know, Bush, super hot. Al Gore seems like a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> he seems like a total loser compared to Bush. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, I think we've talked about this, man. Like, uh, so, okay, so I think the key thing is we got to break. Let's do some more people that look weird. Uh, Okay, weird people. um, (laughs) Roseanne Barr, strange, strange looking. No. Uh, You know who's weird? The guy who plays Kylo Ren. Yeah. But I like it. Yeah. I want to really, I, I like him because he's not symmetric. That's right. Yeah. He draws you in. He draws you in. It's like Steve Buscemi. Exactly. Exactly. V.I. Lennon, dude. You're like, you're ugly, but there's something about you that I, I like. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the elephant. It's all elephant, man. So to summarize, we got to recognize the moral foundations, the six flavors. We have to understand that we're hive creatures as well as individuals and that these hives can cause moral blindness. If we recognize the other side and humanize them and understand we're all trying to go the same thing, we can elevate our dialogue and influence each other in a way that actually produces a better world as opposed to the polarized nonsense that we get. Social media is partially to blame, but it's because we let it be. Right. We're trying to use social media to unwind some of this. Yeah. Uh, so that's where we are. And I think people also got to remember that just because Ted Cruz never lived in the Bay Area doesn't mean he wasn't the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> I've seen those memes. He looks just like the drawing. I mean, it's pretty remarkable. I'm not saying arrest the man. I'm just saying, you know, you're Texas. Maybe it's a vigilante thing. I mean, now it sounds like I'm advocating violence against Ted Cruz. I'm not. I'm just a joke. A bad one, too. Um, on that note, hit if you, if you, if you aren't a supporter, and we're going to put this out to non-supporters yeah. eventually, uh, you should become a supporter because it's dope. The supporters right. will tell you. And we're going to start offering CME soon. I'm just vetting providers for the yeah. CME. And then that means you can write off your dues and do all that stuff. Use your mm-hmm. money. and get. Where else can you get $5 CME? 
Come on, dude. Nowhere. Shit's dope, dog. Dope as F. <laughs> dope I don't know if we're allowed to curse in CME, but I'm going to fucking do it because I don't care. We're going to be the first swearing CME. Yeah. That's right. We're going to be like, yo, what's up, motherfuckers? You want to learn about the motherfucking vagal nerve response? That's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> it's going to be C motherfucking ME. That's what it's going to be. And people will be like, this is where I want to go. And I'm like, okay, bitches, here's how we do it. We're going to talk about the lungs today because the lungs ain't shit but hoes and tricks. Oh, my God, dude. That'd be amazing, actually. We, I bet we could pull that off. Yeah. No doubt. Oh, by the way, so just quick summary of my moral flavors. Mm. People may want to know. What does Z-Dog think? Care harm? I do care. I want to I wanna have compassion for all conscious entities. Great. That's an ideal. Uh, 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 fairness cheating. I'm a big fairness person. Like, I get really triggered when people cheat. Like, I feel like, ah, this guy's getting away with murder. All right? So there's a little, little liberal elephant in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, loyalty betrayal. I think loyalty is important, but I tend to lose sight of it. I value it less, which is interesting. It's just innate, ingrained in me that, you know, I'm not particularly loyal to one particular group. Um, uh, Sanctity degradation. I have OCD, so it's more a cleanliness germ thing Mm -hmm. than a religious thing. Although I do have some, like, you know, on Sundays I try not to curse. It's weird. It's just a conditioned thing, even though I'm not religious. Um, And then authority versus subversion. Subversion. I'm not a fan of authority. Anything, you tell me to do something, I'll do the opposite. So a little oppositional defiant. So yeah. that's, that's my elephant. How about you? My flavors are um, Rocky Road. Rocky Road? <laughs> <laughs> I, sometimes I like, uh, you know, they, call, they used to call it medieval madness. Do you know about medieval no. madness? No, is that a thing? Yeah, it's like a mint Rocky Road. Oh. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, Cherry Garcia. <laughs> And then I'm a big fan of a Dolce de Leche. <laughs> I am too. Yeah. My wife hates it, and yeah. I always will get it. Yeah. I forgot Liberty Oppression, by the way, which is another flavor That's of right. Ben and Jerry's. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm somewhere towards the Liberty spectrum, but I don't mind being oppressed if it's in the public interest. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I know. See, Logan's booming. You know what? Yeah. It's actually true because when I go, when we go through TSA, Zubin yeah. doesn't mind. You don't mind. I don't getting mind that, getting cavity search. Getting a cavity search. I'm He's like, like, yeah, my name's funny and I look weird. That's right. Search me up, Jeeves. That's right. That's right. And then the the authority subversion part, though, I'll be like, hey, my friend, you're going to check my buttocks. Check my buttocks. I'll speak in a thick like Egyptian accent, and then I'll just be like. Just to try to fuck with them. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, violate my liberties. Because mm-hmm. I want everyone to be safe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's mine. Yeah. Um, all right, I think we're out. All right. Did we do this? Yeah. I mean, what yeah, can I say about right. hating Tom Heineber that hasn't been said about Afghanistan? <laughs> it looks bombed out and depleted. I can't say it. <laughs> do you know that we will have been in the war with Afghanistan so long that next year there will be children fighting in the war in Afghanistan who were born after the war in Afghanistan started? What is up with that, dude? That's some liberty oppression right there. Uh, liberty oppression mm-hmm. right there, man. Merka. The Duh. glasses go on. That's right. Now you can see me for what I am. A mm-hmm. beautiful, screaming icon of asymmetry. People are like, hey, Tom, you want to hear about my liberty oppression? People are like, hey, Tom, you free this weekend? I'm like, I'm always free. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the eagle. All right, we out. 